0: Hey guys, welcome, welcome to Episode 6, NFL Draft or Bottle, (coughs) Keen on Things Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't know why you would. Episode 6, we're going to call this title NFL Draft or Bottle because we had the NFL Draft this week. Isn't that clever? Uh, Keen on Things Podcast, half hour a week and I try to cover as much as possible. Nothing gets accomplished, that's for sure, but plenty gets discussed, maybe too much. As I said in a couple episodes ago, I got to slow it down and, uh, just relax, you know, dwell in the moment, take your time. That's what Julie Welsh, one of my groundlings teachers, that's what her dad used to say. Like before big shows, she'd say, he'd say as she's leaving, take your time. And she always said that was funny and weird, uh, advice of all the things you could say. <clears throat> that was weird advice, but, uh, very telling, you know, just take your time. Um, so yeah, it's a good draft. Fun. My roommate Dave and I made uh, wings and queso because football season is now, whether you like it or not. You know, it's not coming in the season, so it's only here and now, and that's why we did it. And I um, just don't see how there can be a season. You know, things at that point need to already be in motion: spring training, summer training, preseason. That all needs to happen first. You know, you don't just smash it all in August and get ready for the season to start late August, early September, or does it? Is this year going to be different? I would think it does. Um, this thing, the yeah, NFL and stuff, isn't going to be ready by August or September. You know, Just because there's going to need to be a flattening of the curve doesn't mean it goes away. There's still a curve. The flattening is just the first part, right? Then then has to decline, then go away, then recovery, then maybe some sports. It's like six things. These athletes have families who probably don't want them exposed to the virus, you know, and then bring it home to the spouses and children. Empty stadiums or not. And that's half the allure to watch these games and college sports. I mean, school needs to be in session. I don't think you can just have college football without students going to class, which they can do online. But unless the season starts in November or something, and that could happen with global warming, maybe that'll be a thing. What are we going to do, humans? Um, Also, like when Las Vegas was supposed to start this year with the Raiders, what are September games in Vegas going to be like? And maybe that's why the apocalypse is on us now. We were about to have football in Vegas, and now it's all over. Like the gods said, football in Vegas is my last stand, which I don't know why he would. He? Uh, Anyway, the wings were great. We We used crystal sauce. Frank's is good, too. But I want to try Crystal, mix it up a little bit. If Franks wants to do some ad space with me, then I'm happy to go, you know, exclusively Franks. Let's talk. But uh, Crystal Crystal or Crystal was good. It's I like the bottle. It has kind of the Mexican spicy bottle flavor feel. And uh, it's good. God, what a good opportunity for ad space with that, with Crystal or Franks. But, man, it's good. We poured it on the chicken and then put it in the oven. So it was baked as opposed to fried and it wasn't like dripping off your fingers, you know, although I don't have a problem with that, but uh, it was baked in there and it just tasted so good. Um, I made the queso, So use Velveeta, Rotel peppers and la Pref- preferida peppers all from Ralph's. It was either Ralph's or, um, Gelson's. I don't know which I went to last week. I've been going every like twice a week to different stores and mix it up. Try to go and there's no crowd because there's a panic. Um, Velveeta Rotel. Prefer- it's so easy. Just drop it in, let it melt over the course of a half an hour. I to put it on low, man. Let that simmer. And just because it's like mush doesn't mean it's ready. Let Make sure it's hot and soupy, you know, and easier for the chip. You don't want crud chunks on there, although some of you might. Uh, these are all opportunities, guys, for ad placement. Um, we cook drumettes. I don't know if I like that word, drumettes, but I like the taste. You don't spell it, son, you eat it. Well, you don't say it. that's from uh, you don't spell it, son. You eat it. How spell? That's from um, John Hughes, 16 Candles, the grandparents. How spell? How say? Well, you don't spell it, son. You eat it. Um, so you yeah, baked as opposed to fried. The taste was really in there, man. No sloppy fingers with sauce in the fingernail grooves. Not hard to make. Uh, my former girlfriend was a great cook and uh, as well and we she made some great delicious things. We did a queso with sausage in it once or twice and it was amazing. My former girlfriend's so weird to say. I think I say former X just sounds so uh, I don't know like you killed something but uh, former is uh, if the person's still special and you still you know still love her and stuff so I just former X sounds so finite pretty rough. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I think part of that, we're diving into the relationship thing for 30 seconds here. I, I still wanted to drag my single lifestyle into the relationship, which was a mistake on my part. Um, and it wasn't the, the, the single lifestyle, not like seeing different people part, but keeping to myself part and not sharing, not being held accountable. That's the part of the single life that I tried to drag into a relationship the keeping to yourself part and the not sharing part. Um, but the payoff of letting someone in is, uh, you allow that stuff in your life and it's great. So I'd encourage it. You know, I'd encourage not doing what I did, but I'm 47. I still have time to figure it out. You know, I I still have time to figure out stuff I was supposed to figure out 20 years ago. Right. I mean, give the relationship a chance. And in some areas I feel like I didn't, (laughs) But uh, I need some time and space, and then by the time you get the time and space, and that person's moved on. So anyway, Um, biggest football news this week, other than the draft, more than the draft, was Gronk joining Brady in Tampa. Strange market, very strange market for those two party animals because it's pretty conservative, but whatever, right? They got Arians, who's going to be fun as hell, and they got a couple good drafts. Brady gets a say in the draft, so that's the reason he picked Tampa. Which is interesting, that's how you lure these guys. I always thought a team that wanted LeBron should be like, Hey, we'll give you like two percent ownership for life. You know. What's two percent? You're a shareholder. And you'll have a real stake in this team and market even after you retire. I don't think anything was stopping them from coming to LA though. Bummer about this season. But uh those guys are in Tampa, Florida, Sunshine, partying with Arians. It'll be a fun team if it happens, you know. And we might have to wait a year. Um, Arians will have looser reins on Gronk than Belichick did, but I think Gronk knows when to reel it in. I don't think he's toxic at all. You know, I think uh he's party, he's fun, but but he wants to win and he's all about that. I don't even know if Aaron Hernandez was toxic for the team. His toxic toxicity was more personal, like you know, his personal life. But as players, uh they brought it, man. You know. And uh, those two together were something else, on and off the field, so talented. They could play split out. They could get yards after the catch. They could be blocking backs. They could run. I think Aaron Hernandez was running back sometimes. They were good basketball players. They loved to party. It would have been fun that two or three years in there. Um, Back to the draft. The Bengals picked Joe Burrows, which was a no-brainer. Sometimes that first pick isn't necessarily what you want and maybe isn't that great. So you should trade down in exchange for more picks. But this was one of those where it was like, no, this is the guy we want. Not only a physical specimen and talent, what he does on the field, but his head is in the right place. Transferred around. So you know that was tough. He had to leave Ohio State, transfer from a school he was probably raised on loving, and go to LSU, make them a winner, get a national championship and a Heisman trophy. So he's got the brain, man. Those transfer situations are tough, especially when it's a school like – you know, had I gone to Michigan or Notre Dame, USC as a player and sat on the bench and people said, hey, come to this smaller school or this other school that's not as highly touted, I'd be like, I kind of, I really like the label of being on this team, even though I'm on the bench. I, I don't know. That's tough. And he did that. So that, that that took courage. And then to make the turnaround with LSU that those guys did is incredible. So he's a player and leader. And I don't think that's the case for a lot of Heisman quarterbacks that get drafted first, you know. He's from southern Ohio, 130 miles from Cincy. He's someone that gets the terrain. He knows the layout. He knows the landscape. Kind of like when the Dallas Cowboys had Jimmy Johnson, who was from Texas. He gets that market, you know. And all those guys from that area, Aikman was from Oklahoma. He knew Dallas, you know, he knew the culture. And uh, so many other places. Burroughs is a winner. Heisman and national title, so impressive. I think Charlie Ward of Florida State was the first I know to do that. I remember it eluded so many players. Like if they got the Heisman, like a lot of Miami quarterbacks, like Vinny Testaverde, they'd get the Heisman, but wouldn't get the national championship. Um, Or the national championship team would would have the player that was the runner-up, chip-on-the-shoulder type stuff. But nobody could ever do both. Maybe OJ did both or Billy Sims for Oklahoma. Those guys might be Heisman Trophy and national title holders. Marcus Allen didn't do it. Um, Tim Brown didn't do it. Charles Woodson eventually did it in the late 90s. So it's not easy to do either, Heisman or national title, or to even get close. Um, but once in a while, guys do both. Insane. Anyway, great grab for the Bengals. He goes from Tiger to Bengal. Quite a jump. <laughs> Most common mascot is the tiger in college sports. It's, I think sometimes it's lazy for some of these people just to go, we're going to grab uh, the cougars. Are there cougars in this indigenous area? No. Well, there's something cool in your area, whether it's a packer, you know, whether it's a shocker, whether it's uh you know, something indigenous. What's another good one? Uh, if you're from the South, a running rebel, you know, it's a... Is a mascot you could have. I'm not gonna say good or bad. I think it's it's kind of a cool image, but uh yeah, I don't know the implications. North Carolina Tar Heel. That's a cool one, you know, very specific. The Duke Blue Devils. Blue Devils comes from uh the North Car- uh France. There was a uh, an elite fighting unit in France in World War One. And somehow the uh the name got thrown over here. It's like my favorite mascot story. Anyway, um there's a great new T shirt out. For Joe Burrows um, from Cincy Shirts, C-I-N-C-I Shirts, S-H-I-R-T-S. If you're a Bengal fan or you just want the shirt, it's uh, called Joe of the Jungle, and it's uh, kind of like George of the Jungle, really funny stuff. Give that a try, but it's Joe Burrows on the cover because the jungle is where the Bengals play their home games. Josh Schneed's company, a buddy of mine, great comic, great friend. Cincy Shirts, man, I've got like four. And... Uh, yeah, it's interesting with Cincy because, like, they've got—they call it the jungle. It's for me, it's always been a tale. That town is a tale of two franchises, and hopefully that changes. And I think it will with uh, with this guy. I think he's got that 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 power to do it. Um, it's kind of crazy. that Ohio's got the la- two of the last three Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. That, yeah. But uh, anyway, because um, baseball, the Reds, man, historic franchise, plenty of World Series, is especially back in the day. And the Bengals, I mean, they don't even have an indoor practice facility. Like, they're the one team that doesn't have an indoor practice facility. Johnny Bench <clears throat> and the baseball bunch from Oklahoma City, right? Bench, the San Diego Chicken, Tommy Lasorda, uh, was the dugout wizard from 82 to 85. They shot that in Tucson, Arizona. And Johnny was the uh, greatest catcher of all time. Reds, Those Reds' 70s team was probably uh, the best baseball team ever. That wasn't the Yankees, and even then, because Reds did it with the same eight players, and the Yankees had greats coming in and out all the time. Their budget was absurd. I don't know about Murderers Row, but I'd say in the last you know fifty, sixty years, that that Reds eight was the best baseball team ever assembled. But uh, the Bengals, man, I, I just you know I I was born in Ohio. I had a soft spot for them. Still do a little bit. And uh, Carson Palmer went to my high school. Uh, a few years after I did. And when he got drafted out of USC as the first pick, as the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, that was one of the franchises. I remember the circle being kind of bummed. I think people were kind of bummed about it because it was just like, they weren't in a good spot. They, you know, was a key Carter and big Dan Wilkinson. And they just had so many busts. Icky Woods, I think was only around for two or three seasons. I think it seems like it because the dance, because like, of course, my attention span only remembers the dance that he would shuffle. But, uh, you know, no indoor training facility, and they have crummy weather. And never they never do the throwback uniform situation. Uh, they're the only team that doesn't, but I think that will change. I hope it is. I'm hopeful for them. But I just remember being bum, but uh, Carson did great things there, and he liked his time there. So, uh, What else? Okay, so the Lions will cover some more of this draft a little bit. The Lions picked uh, Jeff Okuda. He's a cornerback from Ohio State. He's from Texas, but he was a Buckeye. And Ohio State had an amazing draft, man. Top three guys were once teammates in Columbus. And I'm uh, happy to have him. but don't know that that's what the Lions needed. You know, they always get peripheral guys like that. Receivers, DBs. And I like to work that O-line and D-line, man. I trust Patricia and love that name. But uh, I wonder how much pressure those coaches get from ownership about making sexy picks instead of necessary picks. Although I like the tight end from Iowa they got last year. Um, and I love what they did to the Patriots two seasons ago when the Patriots came into Detroit and got pounded. I went, I went to a couple Lions games as a kid in Pontiac. Pontiac was just, I think, northwest of Detroit, from what I remember. From what I remember, like they changed it. What's my problem? Anybody listening at this point, but uh Pontiac games were awesome. A 60 to 70 degree temperature change you'd be freezing. Right. And it's just a, a tundra frozen tundra. And then you'd go inside and this vacuum of the doors would suck you in and you could take your coat off and watch the game in a t-shirt in November, December. But, um, anyway, yeah, I still, it's weird. I still like them. You know, I was 11 when we left Michigan. Um, and, uh, You know, then you take to the Rams and Raiders We're both in LA when we moved out here. So they were the team, you know, and my, so I didn't really have a split. I have a split. I led like a three way split with the Lions, Rams, and Raiders. Now the Raiders are in Vegas. I'm all over the place, man. It must be so nice to have the clarity of one market. You know, if you move at the right time, 11 was just too, like, had we moved sooner or later? I could be exclusively Lions, or sooner. I wouldn't even have known the difference, but uh, what are you going to do? I didn't even live in Detroit. We lived in Southern Michigan right on the border. Uh, At one point, do I have to go exclusive? Like, do I ever need to? I I don't know. Can I put the Tigers and Lions on a back burner while I go on and live my life? I feel like I'd be betraying them. And my sister got me into the Red Wings in college because she went to Hillsdale. I think I ice skated five times in my life and played hockey maybe twice. So what am I even watching it for? But it is exciting, especially the playoffs. Um... God, there's so many good opportunities for companies that do some ad space on this, right? Jump in, man. Do some ads, get sports stuff. Are you kidding me? Um, so it's been great. Um, this is, what are we, in a week? We're about halfway through this, even though I think we're going to burn time today. Normally it's a half hour, but we're going to fly, man. Fly? Well, we're going to cover a lot of stuff. Jordan Doc, uh parts three and 4 were on last night, the second week. They've been doing two episodes a week. It's amazing, man. It's a great, it's called, uh, the last dance. It's about that last season, that last playoff run by the bulls. It's fantastic. Uh, as a Pistons fan, as a kid, uh, I was rooting. I was rooting for the Pistons and, um, but once they passed Detroit, once the bulls got past Detroit, I was all about the, uh, the bulls. Yeah. Cause I liked them. I didn't hate them, but I definitely wanted the Pistons first. I was bummed that they didn't put out a bigger fight. In 91, they got swept, and it's like, win one game, and then don't walk off the floor early like that. Like, that was gross, Um, which they covered in episode three last night. Four, episode four, as the Bulls make their climb. Look, Lenny Bias out of Maryland doesn't die of a Coke overdose with the Celtics. I don't know if the Pistons ever get two titles. Maybe one. And the Celtics win one or two more, maybe three. I don't know. They go into the early 90s. But uh Lenny Bias dying is a huge thing. But the Pistons were tough and they wanted it. Uh Bull's logo. I don't know if you know this, the Bulls logo. People have been pointing this out. You know, it's the the head of a bull, the face of a bull. If you flip it upside down, you can actually see Scottie Pippen getting fucked by Jerry Krause. I don't know if you saw that part, but uh it's in there. Call in now to discuss. Uh Ramadan starts this week. What else? Um So happy Ramadan! I don't know if that's what uh, you say, or have a good Ramadan, or something like that. But that's uh, comes a couple weeks after Easter, I guess, or a week after. Um, Been watching Kids in the Hall, breaking up some of the depressing documentaries with Kids in the Hall. Brilliant five dudes. The symmetry is is the most significant thing that I see come out of that. Um, They're out of Toronto, I would imagine, and. Five of them. It was late eighties, early nineties. Ran for about six, seven seasons, and then they all went their different ways. And they're all so funny, man. And they, you know, they cross dress and cross act and stuff like that, and it's great. Um, the biggest thing I come away with it is the symmetry, and that's what you see in any like company, coaching staff, acting troupe, uh, writing team. Uh, I guess parents, couple, a relationship, couple. Is the symmetry, and it's just uh, amazing. So good together, all five of them, moving without the ball. And uh, so I'll watch them. They're great, and it's the Canadian style. It's just so clever. I'll watch that and some Twilight Zone episodes here and there. But other than that, it's documentaries, it's Netflix series and stuff. I like Waco. I watched Waco. Man, these shows, these Netflix shows, are drawing characters from other shows, like. Is there a casting agency that only handles the Netflix or does Netflix have because like Waco has Ruth from Ozark you know and has the author from House of Cards who sleeps with Robin Wright Penn and covers the president. He's like supposed to write you know the biography um, and in the in, o- in uh, Waco he's married to a girl from the death of Stalin that plays Stalin's daughter. hilarious comedy on Netflix Riggins from Friday and Lights plays plays Crush. John Lu- Gumo from bloodline but he's in a bunch of stuff um he's in waco the cia guy from narcos is the dj in waco so it's really in-house but um it's interesting man i gotta tell you it's a must watch the waco thing because the waco people uh at the davidian ranch they suffered the same fate and i'd have to read the book because who knows if the netflix show is historically accurate but uh they suffered the same fate as the Native Americans, right? As Southerners, as as Mormons, as, like the Pequot tribe. You go all the way to the Peco tribe back in um, Connecticut. They were the, like the first official battle between the English and the Native Americans. It's uh, it's in Connecticut, and where uh, the Mohegan Sun Foxwood Casino is located. And that battle was sixteen thirty six, sixteen thirty eight. John Smith lands at Jamestown in 1607, then makes his way up north, and uh, more English hit Massachusetts, Connecticut area, you know. And uh, eventually, white rule, after Native Americans help you through a winter or two, white rule says, uh, Oh, they're infringing on our property and doing despicable things, so we need to retaliate. We need to attack. Even though we came here and pushed them off their land, even though we're on their property, they're on our property. By our rules, and now we need to attack. Same thing. Mexican-American War. um, Before that, slavery. Going into Africa to take them, slaves, to take them to a new continent. Other side of the world. Um, Anyway, so the way the Netflix doc on Koresh tells it is that they were a uh, a commune outside Waco. And uh, that commune had made a purchase for some guns that was within their rights. And stored those guns away, um, only to be used if they were ever attacked. And they were attacked. But uh, I think it was six uh, ATF or FBI guys that were were killed. But uh, they suffered the same fate as the paycoats. You know, it was England then. Now it's the United States. Whatever form it comes in, it's evil, right? Same philosophy we have in wars today. The ATF, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms, and explosives. They get wind of this commune having guns and ammo, whatever that means, right? Which was within their rights. And they collude with the FBI to take action because they need to look good and get funding for the following year to maintain, to maintain right? And uh, like 75 people died. 25 were children, roughly. This is, these are rough. Tear gas was fired into the commune and the commune caught on fire and people perished. And it's not the first time either. They had a whole list at the end of that of times that uh, ATF had done that. The United States government had done that to people. Sent in the tear gas. They're like, yeah, we didn't know it was flammable. We were just trying to get them to come out. They didn't come out. They stayed and died because it was a fire. They were scared they were going to get shot. They didn't know what to do. Very, very poorly handled. Um, Yeah, they were whacked. The Koresh, yeah, they were whacked. I mean, they were like David Koresh was the only one in there, the only male who could have sex and he was sleep with all the females. And not all of them, but a lot of them having kids with different women that weren't his two wives. But uh, you can't kill him for being whacked, can you? I mean, Koresh knew the Bible really well. He had a really rough upbringing. His mom wasn't much older than he was. Had a couple wives. Only guy allowed to sleep with those women on the commune. And that's what did it, right? The head of the ATF was probably like, I have one wife. She doesn't love me. I don't love her. We don't have sex. And this guy's out in Waco, gets to sleep with multiple women that live under his roof. Everybody's cool with it? No, fuck it. We're going in. Like, that's what I get out of it. Anyway, still listening? Anyway, so it all comes back to that Scorsese movie, The Departed, where Leonardo tells the psychiatrist, <clears throat> he's like, half the reason these people become cops is so they get a chance to shoot people, so they can use their gun, which really scares me, because I think that's how the military is, too. It's like, uh, they want the excuse. It's like, protecting to serve is nice. Mm. We want that excuse to shoot and be seen as a hero renegade. You know, that's a lot of the drive. So you arm in any agency enough, eventually they have to prove that they need those weapons and technology, and those things will be used at all costs. A weapon unused is a useless weapon. That's from Spike, uh, Spies Like Us, mid-80s, Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd. All over the place here. Uh, something to think about, you know. Anyway, uh, that leads us into, um, it was Earth Day as well, a couple days ago, and that leads us into Planet of the People, on YouTube, which is uh, Michael Moore's recent, he's not in it; he only produced it. Uh, the writer, director, interviewer—someone is, is someone who's worked on um, on all of Michael Moore's, not all of them, but most of Michael Moore's projects. And uh, okay, yeah, we got plenty of time here. We're supposed to only have five minutes, but we're probably going to go another ten. And it's nice to have this outline in front of me. How's everybody doing? Chime in. Email me, call, text, TikTok me. Can you TikTok someone? Uh, but yeah, Planet of the People was really good. He's not in it. But the writer, director, interviewer, uh, his name Jeff Gibbs, and he does a great job. It's all about the environmental movement, trying to remedy the environmental problems by robbing Peter to pay PayPal, right? Doing other things that are harmful to the environment as well fuel things on something other than coal but still using coal like all these agencies biomass all this bullshit they they claim like oh no it's all solar power and it's like solar power can operate all this you're still using some coal and you're chopping up trees to use as fuel because it's not as bad as other things but in the end the air still suffers and the word bio is thrown in front of things and it's just supposed to be good for the environment yeah bio coca-cola it's really good Buy McDonald's and we're so self-congratulatory. Any any sign of us doing something good and it's like, yeah, we're American. It's We're going to our downfall, right? We just think because we're born in this country that it's automatically better. Entrepreneurship is amazing here, yeah. But don't be so self-congratulatory, right? We give ourselves pats on the back and awards and the earth and animals suffer. So um, I'm going to read some takeaway quotes from Planet of the Human Beings. Or planet of the People, which was amazing. Um, just as bad as what's happening to the planet is the misperception that we're actually helping it. The belief that wind and solar is producing all the energy when we, when really we're still using coal. Not as much, I imagine. Is it a decrease? Is a decrease at least an improvement? Oh, this is a question I had. Is decreasing the coal use an improvement or because we're burning down trees? But like. These trees can't grow back and be used as fuel again. They're going through the desert and wiping out 500-year-old trees. And it's like, okay, the desert still has life. You can't take life away like that. Tesla cars are built with aluminum, which is worse than steel. So that's something to think about. We're uh, all still sucking on the teat of corruption. You know, we're still hooked up to the grid. It's just disguised differently, more clever. All my friends are going to hate me after this that I grew up with, and then their kids who are going to be going to college soon or in college are like, oh, this is interesting. But in another 20 or 30 years, they'll turn a blind eye too because they're you know making a nice salary. Their opinions depend on where their uh, finances come from. Deserts are not dead. They have beautiful plant life to them. And just assuming they're dead and wiping out 500-year-old plants and trees for fuel is messed up because that doesn't grow back the next day. The most profound quote I got out of it was, humans are experiencing the planet's limits all at once. Like everything's being pushed and the planet's just like, okay, I I got it like speed wobbles, you know. If we're not going to tool back human consumption, we'll have to accept mass human death. And uh, my personal fear is that the powers that be are fine with that. They're like, okay, how do we cover our ass? The 1%, the 5%, whatever. Nice chair. Um, Industrial agriculture is subsidized by oil and it's not sustainable. That's another quote from there. And uh, this is me. I just feel like after having traveled the world and seeing other cultures, how into the earth – They are in community. Americans are so disconnected from nature and history and science, and uh, it's just it's economy at all cost, and we are slowly paying that price. The biomass is a joke. It's using trees instead of coal and oil, and they say it's renewable, and it's not. People on the forefront of renewable energy can't answer the simple questions as you see in the doc because they are all in on it. But uh, there's some good spots. Vondan Shiva was in it. She's great. She's amazing. She's an Indian scholar, environmental activist, food sovereignty advocate, and anti-globalization author. She says our minds have been manipulated to give power to illusions. Our minds have been manipulated to give power to illusions. We measure growth, not how life is enriched, but how it is destroyed. Isn't that crazy? Consumption, economy, war, land acquisition. That's how we measure growth. Biofuel. What's the next after animal fat? Right, humans. Are we at soy and green now? Um, my simple brain to make sense of it just looks at it like diet coke being worse for you than regular coke. Remember how diet coke is, comes out? It's supposed to be better, and then all of a sudden the research is like actually this is worse with the nutra sweet uh, chemicals. It's, it's like w- what a mess, and that's what I'm seeing now. But uh, some solutions were uh, awareness begins the transformation. Eventually I'd like to be off meat in my life, not off beat. I'm already there <laughs> off meat. So I'm aware, you know, will I take action? We'll see. Uh, infinite growth on a finite planet is suicide. And that's what we're we're trying to do. You know, it sums up everything. Infinite growth on a finite planet is suicide. Explore space. That's been the thing for generations. Like, well, We'll be in space and be building... Oh, really? I don't. I think we're a little behind there. And who wants to live in space? You're going to live in space? My listeners? On the moon? Mars? Our human presence is beyond sustainability. Uh, the carbon dioxide molecule is not destroying the planet. It's humans. It's overpopulation. We stress that over and over again. We have to curb population. Americans in particular need to curb consumption. Americans who don't have children deserve a tax credit, right? Let's reinforce people for not having children, tax breaks, stipend, whatever. If you're not having kids, you deserve a bump. It may have to come to that for Americans to get it. We have to decrease the carbon footprint. Anyway, so um, Planet of the Humans came out on Earth Day. My buddy Frat sent it to me. I don't know uh, what's real, but I usually trust bad news. Um, Anyway, that leads us right into depression, which is perfect. And this whole uh, pandemic, we're almost done here, guys. That was a lot. Sorry. We're we're all over the place. That's what this podcast is. It should be called Keen of Consciousness. Maybe that's what it'll be changed to instead of keen on shit things. Um, It's going to move around a lot. But uh, Depressing, but you just enjoy the journey. Enjoy the show. Enjoy this reality show that we're watching. All the mass death worldwide. Uh, We're now at Vietnam numbers with the pandemic. We're at about 58,000 here and we're uh god 5 weeks in and we keep we keep like saying oh okay we'll just readjust <laughs> 5 weeks ago there were less than 1000 people and now we're at almost 60,000 people dead um you know we're going to hit that in the next day or two so how how where is it slowing down exactly like and our numbers being fudged how, how to what extent are Deaths just being attributed to coronavirus. Oh, they were dying, but then the coronavirus caught them at the last second just to get in the numbers. It's like some greedy accountant or salesperson going, "Yeah, that's under my that's under my uh, jurisdiction." Um, Vietnam numbers, man. Depression. Uh, there's three types that are kicking in for me. There's three types. There's all the mass death worldwide. Like that's just overall depression. Like sad, and then there's depression from not being able to see people, touch people, hold people, lack of human touch, loved ones, and or just like going crazy that way. And then the third for me was, uh, and this isn't everybody, but it's a lot of maybe performers or whatever. If you're not bringing in revenue, there's this like helplessness that you're not doing anything, and panic, or is money going to come from? Uh, so those are the three, and then sometimes it's all these, and then hour by hour, you don't. Maybe you will have one. Maybe you will have all three. Maybe you, you know, you'll have uh, you'll be okay for a few hours. And then if you had a breakup a few months ago, that's just gravy on top. And I think it really highlights the breakup because um, you know it just gives you too much time to think about those things. Uh, uh, next, Netflix De Palma documentary was great on Netflix. If you get a chance, um, the scheme on HBO all about the criminality of college sports, mostly basketball, but football and basketball, mostly men's, just so corrupt. Like, they get paid and the players don't. But uh, the De Palma doc is great, and the scheme. Those were two do- top documentaries I loved. De Palma came up with, uh, God, he came up with Scorsese and and Coppola and uh, who else? Lucas and, and Spielberg, and they were all on top of it. And De Palma, I think, gave George Lucas the idea in Star Wars of, like, you need some backstory. At the beginning of the movie, have the, you know, the story, you know, episode four. Have that roll up so you give some people some background information before they go into uh, Star Wars. And that really made it. That really helped it. And De Palma's got some great horror stuff and, you know, the Untouchables and Scarface and Sisters and just endless, man. Um. And then John Milnius is in there too. I don't think he was in this doc, but he's got his own doc, but he's brilliant. But those guys are amazing men. What a time period. Never gonna see that again. There's things you're never gonna see again like that. Where like directors had such control over big budgeted movies in the seventies and then studios and everything. Who knows what it is now? Uh, books I'm on, I'm reading two different books, Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, which is great for mental and inner peace. And then Bonfire of the Vanities is another book I'm reading, which is fantastic. Um, which is a big, uh, eighties. Uh, it's like one of the top novels of the eighties by Tom Wolfe, And they made a movie. I haven't seen the movie. I'll watch the movie after the book, but uh so far the books really good, man. It's the second book of his I've read. I read the electric Kool-Aid acid test when I lived in San Francisco in the nineties when I was in my twenties. But this is, uh, something else. God, this is so insane. I'm talking into a microphone, into my computer and nobody's listening. Um, So it's just like a Zoom comedy show. Uh, Deaths this week. Uh, The big ones that I heard about. Tom Lester from Green Acres. Um, Rest in peace. Jean Deitch, who sketched Tom and Jerry. Gene Deitch, sketch sketch artist Tom and Jerry. Phenomenal cartoon. The violence. In the 80s, they had a version where they're talking to each other, and they're nice, and it did not play. But uh, I remember being a young kid and kind of liking it. But the one Tom and Jerry episode I liked was when they colluded to get, like, there were other cats that the homeowner got some cats that were bullies. And Tom and Jerry colluded and uh, defeated the other cats. Uh, Bowie, 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 David Bowie bassist uh, Matthew Seligman passed. uh, Rest in peace. And Shirley Knight, the actress from Broadway and in a ton of film and television, starred with Paul Newman in 1962 in Sweet Bird of Youth. She also passed and was, uh, these are phenomenal entertainers. Um, so rest in peace. I hope that, uh, your passing doesn't get glossed over with the current tragedy that's happening worldwide. And and meanwhile, like, in rich white areas, people are like, uh, (laughs) they just don't care. They're just like, like, I'm still going to do this. Like, they're, 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 they're flexing their, their fortune. Um, Tweets of the week. Uh, just a couple here. Um, Allison Balsam had a fun one where she said, uh, sincere posts are the nudes of the mind, <laughs> which I thought was so good. Because with my stand-up, I'm not nearly as sincere as I should be. Um, I need to be more uh, open and not just telling one-liner jokes that aren't true. And her Twitter handle is at Lotus. So that's a good account to follow. Uh, another politically is this account. Um, it's at, at real politically. Uh, the tweet was sex workers are more important than cops. I was <laughs> like, yeah, that's true. They, they do relief where the cops pound people down, but the sex workers, uh, they, they, they serve a purpose for sure. Um, and then here's a cute one. Tweet of the week, Sarah Pearl, um, follow her on Twitter. What is, the etiqu- what is the etiquette when you have two Zoom birthday parties scheduled for the same time? not that funny? Like if you're a parent or you know what the Zoom thing is. Yeah. Um, my favorite of the week that I posted was – is this bad that I post my favorite of the week? I could just read mine, I guess. But uh, I won't say my favorite, but I'll say the one that got the most love. Uh, social distancing. After this, social distancing at concerts and sporting events will be weird. Right, yeah, we're all sitting together. We got seats seven, fifteen, thirty-two, and one hundred and one. That'll be funny. I don't know if these are as funny when you read them. Who knows, man? What world are we in right now? What universe? All right, let's go to the emails really quick. Let me check the emails to see the feedback from the shows. Uh, Patrick Keen at hotmail.com. Nothing again. Wow, six straight week, no fan mail or hate mail. So I guess I'm doing fine. Feel free to email me if you want to hate me too. That's fine. And tell me I'm full of shit because I am. Uh, but the whole thing is just thinking out loud and considering, considering don't be on lockdown. Everybody's always so quick to, well, this, 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 it's like, all right, stay in Orange County. Um, now we get some uh, ad placement. we to do some ad placement here. Oh, nothing, nothing there. Okay. No ads. And then let me plug some upcoming shows. Uh, oh, nothing. Okay, great. Wow. Nothing. I might be doing a show this Thursday. On Zoom, check that out. But uh, anyway, this is our last show of April, so thank you so much for listening. We went over time a little bit. Some social media plugs: you can follow me, Keen of Comedy, on Twitter and Instagram, K E A N E, and then YouTube, Patrick Keen. Um, there's a citizen Keen of Comedy on uh, on YouTube as well, and there's also Patrick Keen mascots on YouTube. And, uh, that's good. And I'm thinking of doing a TikTok. Who knows? We'll see. But uh, anyway, thanks for listening. And that's all the hardest part about all this is we don't know what to be certain about. And we think certainty is such a thing and it's not. Ask any other generation in the history of humankind. If certainty is a thing, ask Native Americans before, uh, white European culture came over, ask, uh, people that were living in, uh, what's that in Ukraine, Chernobyl, you know, ask them if anything's noble, n- normal. Ask uh, family members of people who lost uh, someone in a shooting, you know, or a war. Ask uh, anybody that survived the Holocaust that lived in Germany or Europe, If if there's a normal black people in America, their own country that they're born into, that they still don't feel like it's theirs. Ask them, ask a Palestinian today, you know, crazy, right? So just get through the day, go, go half days at a time, third of the day at a time, morning, noon, night, don't take on too much mentally or physically. And uh, that's all for this episode of keen on things, NFL draft or bottle, our last episode of April guys, we will see you. Joan Wilder, you and your sister can go. Guys, we'll see you, uh, we'll see you in May. Thank you. Love you.